When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Tuesdays here. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Plenty to get into with the news of the day with uh, Nebraska adding uh, quarterback coach Glenn Thomas. Mitch Sherman had that for you from the Athletic around 1140. We'll talk with Mitch here in about 15 minutes. Get caught up with him, his reaction, his thoughts. We'll get your thoughts as well, 489-1240 or 800-825-5865. Always welcome in the stream and check us out via video, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or Hale Varsity Radio Twitter at HVarsity Radio. You can follow along there. Find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence at Schmidt underscore radio for me. We'll get our starting five, our roll call in a moment in hour two. We'll spend time, get some uh, Nebraska flavor with uh, longtime Buffalo Bills defensive end Chris Kelsey. Standout black shirt, his take on the Bills, his take on the Big Red. Matt Schick of ESPN going to be with us in hour two as well. So room for you in hour one. Always room uh, via email or the phone lines or also in the stream. Our starting five, our first five in. Uh, Chuck checks in from Denver. I believe that's a first time, first time in for Chuck. Chuck, welcome. Thanks for checking in with us here on the stream with Hale Varsity YouTube. And you, Grandpa, greetings all. Brandon says hello. Andrew in uh, at number four. Jeff in at five. And uh, Tuck just sneaks in at six. And Bob uh, in at seven. Uh, so there we have it. So more room for you, the more the merrier in the stream. And I think there's a, a huge sigh from a lot of Nebraska fans. Good write-up by, again, Mitch Sherman uh, with that intel on Glenn Thomas. But Elijah, as we get into this, you, you knew something had to change for Nebraska at the quarterback spot. You need to go get talent. Uh, Every year you go get talent at all spots. And uh, Nebraska landed a monster talent in Dylan Raiola, Danny Kalen. And then you have, uh, of course, Heinrich Harburg that's still on the roster and there's still room for him to grow and improve. So, okay, you've got your two new quarterbacks in this recruiting class. You have the guy that won you five games last year, gotten out a performance at quarterback with, with not a lot of development paid to him uh, until really the, the rural staff got here. Now, what do you do to enhance that offense? Well, you get a good offensive line. You keep grooming that. You get a running back room that's good. 
you find some wideouts, and then your your missing ingredient in in piece has been execution and decision making at quarterback. Nebraska wanted initially to to have a quarterback coach, didn't get that done, and uh, now in year two. Nebraska is able to, to fix that situation, and you've got 20 years of experience in Glenn Thomas. Is he a quarterback whisperer? Is he uh, an elite quarterback coach? I think he's good. I look at the fact that he's done this for, for two decades, and splitting time between college and the NFL, you could say, well, he's bounced around a little bit. When he stayed in a spot, He's done pretty well. I just think it's funny how you said that. Is he an elite quarterback coach? I think he's good. (laughs) Listen, are are you going to look at hires made by rule as we go into year two, even into year one? And I think you can look at his hires and you can look at his track record. That's that's my math on this, right? You're you're not going to just make a move here and say, well, let's let's go back to to Glenn Thomas because we know. We've got familiarity. Yeah, that's that's easy to do, but I think familiarity is important here, don't you? Because you've got Satterfield still putting the offense together. He's just not really done the quarterback coaching thing. Get your quarterback coach in here. Get the band back together and really don't have any hiccups or missteps or, or gap in, all right, what, what's my coaching staff doing because if they're trying to get things figured out, how's that being communicated and what does that do delayment-wise for the quarterbacks? You've got on hand right now that, that need to hit the ground running, especially once you know Dylan gets back from the Polynesian Bowl. I mean, Nebraska is in an urgent time right now with a loaded Big Ten, a really tough Big Ten, and what separated Nebraska, a lot of things, but... Uh, one of the big things last year was quarterback play when you're losing by a touchdown or three about every other game when you did lose. Well, let's lay it out really fast here with, with Glenn Thomas because it's been well publicized on, on Twitter. Yeah, he worked with Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield at, at Temple. And it was actually really similar where Marcus Satterfield was the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator at Temple. After a year, Glenn Thomas comes in. Satterfield moves to running, running backs coach and offensive coordinator while Glenn Thomas comes in and works the, the quarterback. So there's familiar. There's been that transition of power before with Glenn Thomas and Marcus Satterfield. That's not unfamiliar to them, and, and they've worked together there. They worked together at Baylor once Marcus Satterfield came back from his, his head coaching gig in Tennessee. Uh, he came back and he was the tight ends coach, whereas Glenn Thomas was the co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at, at Baylor. So there's been that power, or that 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 balance of power between the two in different roles. Uh, I think it's going to be very similar at Nebraska. That's not going to be a a weird uh, transition. It, it should be pretty seamless, actually. Whenever you look at that, but you look at Glenn Thomas. What do you do without Matt Rule? Let's go back to his his first big time quarterback coaching gig with the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan was the quarterback, and I think a lot of people would have been uh, praying to have Matt Ryan in his prime as the quarterback that you're coaching in your first gig in the NFL. But he did a good job there, and there was a lot of talent around Matt Ryan early on, at least with Roddy White, uh, Julio, Julio Jones, Tony Gonzalez. But what did, what did he do his first year? 4,700 yards passing, almost a 69% completion percentage, 32 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. That was back in 2012, a playoff season where they go to the NFC Championship game for the Atlanta Falcons. 2013-2014, so the two years there, not great as a team. The defense wasn't very good. Matt Ryan was still fine, 67% completion, 26 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, 4,500 yards passing in 2013. 
and in 2014, 4,600 yards passing, six yards away actually from 4,700 yards, 66% completion percentage, 28 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. Again, Matt Ryan was pretty much in his prime during this time, but Glenn Thomas did well there as the quarterback's coach and has that familiarity with Rule and with Marcus Satterfield. He's a guy who knows what he's doing at the quarterback spot, and he's a guy that's got the, the familiarity with Matt Rule, with the coaches that are already on staff. So it checks the two biggest boxes that you need because finding that continuity, you don't want to be going through a weird transition of power whenever you're trying to not screw up one of the top quarterbacks in the country in Dylan Riley. You have the familiarity. You're not going to have any weird... Uh, Butting of heads, butting of egos here. These guys have worked together before, and, and he knows what he's doing as a quarterback's coach. So you, you've gotten the most important aspects knocked out of the way with Glenn Thomas. Does it work out? I think that remains to be seen, but I think based on what we know about Rule and based on what we know about Glenn Thomas, all signs would indicate that this is a match made in heaven for Nebraska and for Glenn Thomas. It needs to work out. Can we say that? It, it needs to work out as Bob checks in in the stream, saw the Steelers' bio on him. Uh, so damn impressive. Now, listen, you, you can only do so much as quarterbacks coach. The kid or the pro still has to go out and play. And quarterback at Pittsburgh was uh, an issue this past season for Coach Tomlinson. They still got to the playoffs. Here's what I know in some research and a couple of calls made today uh, on on Glenn Thomas. One, he's Pretty straightforward, has a good working relationship with his quarterbacks, and guys like being coached by him because he's pretty fair, but he's pretty hard. So he'll coach the quarterbacks hard. There's a standard. Uh, He has history of good quarterback play. I think what you can expect from, from quarterback play at Nebraska is be able to do the, the things that help win you the football game, make a throw, make a decision, scramble, hit the open guy, change the play, do all those things that put you in position for success, manage and make plays. If you're spectacular, I mean, we, we know the talent associated with Dylan Riola. Uh, there are, you know, if you feel comfortable with that kid's skill set and ability, yeah, you can put more on, but it's the quarterback coach's job to know what the guy can do and what he's ready for, right? And and that's going to be a key part of this. A guy who's coached pros and college players before, I mean, there's a lot of different personalities and quarterback types he's seen. So what he's done is provide a history of good quarterback play when he's been the quarterback coach. And I look at P.J. Walker, a kid at Temple that ended up in the NFL, uh, he makes the, the decision-making process more fluid for the quarterback. And, you know, the decision-making prog- process, you saw quarterbacks from Nebraska last year try and do too much. Can you dial that back so there's a comfort level? And the, the thing that he's known for as well, and some folks that have worked with him, he's able to adjust to what you have roster-wise. And you saw Nebraska do that a year ago. All right, Harburg's the guy. What's his strength that's running the football, some play action, a deep shot, right? Nebraska, when it was clicking, they were able to turn to that and get some points out of some big plays that way. So, listen, adjust to your personnel. He's done pro style. He's also done up-tempo and spread attack. So he's not kind of a one-trick pony with this is my system, this is my offense, it's more of uh, kind of you're, you're at the salad bar there picking out stuff to put on a plate based on what 
you're hungry for, i.e., what can the quarterback do? I think it's exciting if you're a Nebraska fan to have a talent like Dylan, a talent like Kalen, and the talent that, that Harburg has. See what type of seasoning you can provide Harburg because there is a role for him. There's still a competition to be had this spring. And, and then you have the, the natural gifted talent that comes along with a five-star. Well, so it, it this is good, and this is good because I think there's going to be a comfort level and there's not going to be too big of an ask uh, by this quarterback coach with the young, raw talent. That's, I think, the the, the biggest thing here is... got to have, you, you 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 gotta have that. You mentioned Harburg. This is about Ryle, though. Let's, let, it let's, is. Let's, let's lay that out. And what you have in Ryle, if you're Glenn Thomas, is, to use a baseball analogy... You have a runner on second with no outs. I'm not going to say he's on third. I'm not going to say that. Maybe a runner on first. You got a guy no in outs, scoring position, but you got a great chance to, to score a run. Your job is the the next up to bat. If that's what like Glenn Thomas is in this third, analogy, baby. get him over to third base. <laughs> hey, if you can work a single and get him into score, great. But just find a way to get him to, to third base at least. And and if you can get him to third base with no outs or one out, there's a pretty damn good chance that that you're going to bring that runner into score. I mean, that's essentially where you're at with with Glenn Thomas uh, in 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 Riola. You have the natural arm talent that, that makes Dylan Rylo special. The natural arm talent that not many quarterbacks in college football have. Not many quarterbacks in college football can throw it 70 yards easily like Dylan Rylo did in the Polynesian Bowl this week. You have a special arm talent, and you have a guy that is so much further ahead in his development than so many other quarterbacks because of his pedigree and because of his upbringing, working with his dad, watching NFL film, working with former NFL quarterbacks from the time that he was in middle school. You're further ahead. Make that guy understand the Nebraska offense. Make him understand what you want from him and, and make sure that he is comfortable. And those are all things that I think Glenn Thomas, based on his history, should be able to provide to Dylan Riola. Does it work out on paper? Yes, you have to make it work in reality, but all signs point to me to the fact that Glenn Thomas will be able to make this work. And Again, time will tell. what well, We might not know until fall, but it feels like a hire that just makes so much sense and, and it gives you the best chance of success. It's worked before that yes it, it worked at temple when he took over 10 and 4 after some tough early years at baylor finished 13th in the country and uh, they were able to get uh, charlie brewer up and rolling uh, we'll talk with mitch sherman here in a little bit some more comments we have some discrepancy we have some arguments in the stream hail varsity youtube channel with who's in who's just logging in to say they were top five who's in and out I can't track that. Shout out to you, Brian, as uh, he is stomping around in two feet of snow, feeding his livestock. Uh, Brian comments, I find it hilarious that you guys have time to get in 15 minutes early. (laughs) Brian, thanks for your hard work, man. Thanks for what you're doing, uh, taking care of those livestock out on your ranch. So, uh, and I guess we're a... Were a, a necessary evil for him. The Bluetooth keeps the the cold wind out of his ears, which is nice. I, I hope it's more than just that. <laughs> no, I know, but 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 worst case scenario, we're we're at least giving the guy something to listen to <laughs> while he's trying to stay warm. Uh, so listen, uh, quarterback is is king. Quarterback is your make or break when you look at Penix, right? For Washington, you look at what McCarthy did. Do you have that caliber of a quarterback on your roster at Nebraska? You, you think so. But you've got a guy, too, and this is a great point uh, Bob brings up. Thomas has coached pretty high-level talent. He, he's, he's seen a lot of guys. You're going to see a guy like Dylan, a talent like Dylan, come in, a talent like Kalen, and then a talent like Harburg 
listen, uh, your job, and I say it a hundred times because coaches have really hammered this home. Your job is not to screw him up, <laughs> okay, but enhance the ability. Uh, Brian asked the other question we're going to get to. What does this mean about Dana Holgerson? Is he still in play as an analyst? I think the answer is yes, Brian. I think Dana Holgerson is still in play. And, yeah, it would make sense for, for Dana to come to Lincoln as an analyst. If you're LSU, uh, do you maybe reach out to, to Dana Holgerson and say, why not come do some work here for us? What does Dana want to do is the question. Uh, Dana's got a lot of a lot of money. And I think for now the answer is kick his feet up and relax. Just and take see a what, breath. See, see what opportunities arise. Right. But. Take a breath. That's what, what that's what Dana wants to do right now. But you'll get a decision from him, and Nebraska's willing to, to kind of wait for that. Mitch Sherman's on the way with Hale Varsity. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail City. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. A little bit of an audible. Mitch Sherman going to be with us after five tonight. So let's check in with Matt Schick, Schick and Nick, ESPNU, Sirius XM. We'll talk some uh, Glenn Thomas with him. We'll talk some Bills Mafia with Matt Schick. Let's talk some ball with Matt Schick of ESPN, Sirius XM, and the Schick and Nick show at ESPN underscore Schick. Schick, you have felt for all of your family and friends and loved ones in this Arctic blast, I'm sure. But uh, do you wish you were in Buffalo yesterday? Well, that would have been nice. I was actually in... uh... I was in Massachusetts yesterday for some high school basketball, and uh, it started to snow squall a little bit for a couple of minutes. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then after five minutes, like, this is terrible. Because, like, like, I felt like a kid. I felt like Maurice Purify, you know, when he came to Nebraska. He's like, well, I thought this grew up from the ground. You know, he'd never seen it before. And I felt like that's how, uh, that's how I was. It was like a little kid from L.A. who had just flown into Massachusetts going, what is this white substance here and uh what why is it sticking to my clothes but yeah it would have been great to be in buffalo uh to watch that but it was nice and comfy in the uh, in the old uh, hotel room well let's go back a step here maurice purify i've never heard this before maybe i'm too young maurice purify thought yeah. the snow came up from the ground mm-hmm. yeah you know i was actually telling that story this morning on big 10 radio because we were talking about the snow and my experience over the weekend and i remember so Bill Callahan's the head coach, Maurice Purify, old wide receiver, played the NFL, goes 
to the podium, and it was kind of like our first time to really talk to him. He was, I believe, a junior college transfer. And he gets up there, and someone asks him, just kind of an icebreaker or something, just about the snow or have you ever seen snow before? And his answer was something to the effect of, no, I hadn't seen it. And you know, I, I haven't seen it before. I thought it just came up from the ground. And we were all kind of waiting for laughter. And he might have smiled, but I, either he had the driest sense of humor or he just didn't watch a lot of news out in California. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go dry sense of humor, Chick. <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old. I mean, who the, who the heck knows? But it's, I, I believed him. I believed what he was selling there that he didn't know. But uh, I think he knows now. We'll uh, get into Chiefs' bills here in a moment. But, uh, Schick, you've had a chance to cover college football for a large part of your career. The the news of the day, Glenn Thomas, uh, the new Nebraska quarterbacks coach, and has done time with Rule before at Temple and at Baylor. And, you know, the offenses have been pretty decent under him. What's your reaction to Nebraska pulling the trigger on a quarterback coach? Well, it's... I, I wonder, you know, what those conversations were like in, in recruiting and with the other quarterbacks and with Dylan Riola. And, you know, it's just interesting. Like, you have that relationship. It clearly wasn't the right time, um, you know, when he was initially hired. But the fact that you're able to uh, plug him from an NFL franchise is pretty good. Um, I, I Look, I, I don't think you can have enough assistant coaches that are one-on-one with specific position groups. And I think the fact that, you know, you pluck him and, and have him work out with, with the guys and, you know, teach the young guys the ropes, you're almost starting from scratch at that position anyway. It, it makes a lot of sense. Um, what does it mean in terms of performance? It certainly can't hurt. Um, you know, we've seen some good quarterback coaches in the past in Nebraska and some that left you a little wanting more. But um, it's a lot of experience that he brings, and I think that can only be good. Yeah, well, what do you make of the fact that he's a guy that, I mean, really when Matt Ryan was in his prime with the Falcons, he's coaching him up. Now he's also got a lot of experience working with both Satterfield and Rule. Just feels like uh, the, the perfect hire, a guy with the expertise and the relationship with the guys who are already on staff. The, the staff cohesion is always a good thing. Um, you know, I'm always a bigger fan of getting outside the room thoughts that don't coalesce with maybe yours, but just because you work with guys doesn't mean you always agree with them. So uh, it's it seems to be the stars have aligned for, you know, the fact that hey, here's the deal: we got this five-star quarterback, and we need to we need to take this is handle with care. You know, this is the 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 brand new you know ceramic ware that you just brought home. Let's not screw this thing up. We need to we need to make sure that it's taken care of, and it seems like they're they're approaching this the right way. Matt Schick with us here on Hale Varsity. Uh, of course, Schick and Nick podcast with Herd at Sports, Sirius XM, Big Ten Radio, and, of course, ESPN with Matt. Find him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Schick. Matt, let's fast forward to Nebraska's offense. There's winter conditioning and spring football to sift through and kind of make some determinations there as you get ready for the fall. But we all know Nebraska's quarterback play putting it nicely, was limited last year. You get Raiola, which is big time. Presumably he'll have the keys, right? And now you have an offense, and, and you've gone and done work in the portal 
with um, Dowdell at running back, a couple of big-bodied wideouts to help maybe uh, mentor a younger but talented wide receiver room. You know, Nebraska's offense was anywhere between 15 points in Big Ten play, I think a total of 17 or 18 points overall last year. You've seen uh, ball and you've seen offenses jump. What's uh, an enormous jump? What's a fair point total jump here for an offense in a year? Oh, gosh, I would say at least a touchdown a game is fair um, if you're improving at the quarterback position. If you're improving at a different position, it's probably a little bit less than that. But there's no reason to believe that this can't be a uh, – not a formidable, but at least – I think you have to take baby steps, though. It's, it needs to be – you know, it was egregious uh, this past season in terms of quarterback play. If that can move up to average somewhat competent, I think that is the next step. Um, let's face it, it was a good year, you know, a developmental year, but a good year for that Nebraska offensive line. And you're returning a key part of that. I mean, we, you, could, you could have, the fact is, you could have um, upgrades at quarterback, upgrades at running back, and bring in transfers and ball catchers and all that stuff. But if you're not short up in the trenches and you're not developing that, then it's all for naught. And we've seen that in the past. So a uh, bunch of guys that are, that are coming back and, and in a developmental program, you need continuity. And the most important position to have continuity is the offensive line. So I, I think it can only be a good thing in terms of a jump. It, you, you have to expect a jump, how much, you know, I, I think you kind of set the bar, at maybe, you know, five to eight points a game and go from there. But defensively, that's where you have the most confidence, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if you jump, you know, four or five points, you're feeling pretty good because this is a program that continues to lose one possession games, and last I checked, that's about seven points or less. It's Matt Schick with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Matt, you're a guy that's, that's been around college football for a while, and I want to get your thoughts as we enter into winter conditioning and begin looking ahead to spring. What are some things that, that fans can watch for and listen for to see if Nebraska is going to be making that jump in this upcoming season? Obviously, you're not going to know for certain until uh, early September rolls around what this team actually is, but what are some things that you think are, are usually good signs, things that Husker fans can listen for over the next weeks and months regarding the jump that this team could potentially make? Well, it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge because – Right, Matt Rule is usually pretty positive and he gives a pretty positive vibe uh, regardless. The fact is, I think you want you want to hear about the new guys coming in, making an impact. Oh, I like what I've seen so far. Those kind of comments about newcomers and freshmen and guys like Dylan Raiola coming in. You know, are they are they catching up to speed? Are they is the game moving too fast? What can we expect? You know, those those kind of things that it's just. I would say, you know, Nebraska has won spring football a lot over the past years. And so I think the whole proverbial cliche grain of salt is probably the way to take that in the spring. But, um, you know, Matt, Matt Rule is usually he's pretty honest, even though he's fairly positive. So I think you'll be able to read through, you know, kind of where he's at. But his first spring ball where it actually counts, I mean, last year he was you know, on the job for a few months, so... Uh, this will actually be a pretty telling spring, but um, I'll be I'll be interested to hear just how the how the new guys are coalescing. Chick, what do you think of the new Big Ten? Lanning decides to stay as we talk. Uh, Harbaugh interviewing, but you know I think he's probably leading the NFL. That's just my guess. Uh, you have 
new sheriff in uh, in Seattle. And then, of course, uh, you have Ohio State, still Ohio State. Penn State looks really talented, although they lose a lot and no divisions. But you're going to have helmet games every weekend, it feels like. It's going to be a real gauntlet. I think the SEC has used that term. I think the Big Ten could hijack it for at least the foreseeable future. Um, I mean, you're going to look at you're going to look at the top twelve to fifteen teams, and probably see um, only maybe two of them that aren't in either the Big Ten or the SEC. So split that down the middle. I mean, six to seven top fifteen teams um, or top twenty teams in the Big Ten. It's going to be really interesting to watch. But you know, you think about quarterback play, Dylan Gabriel going to Oregon and Dante Moore transferring in. So he's going to have some experience there. Um, Washington will be interesting just with all the comings and, and the goings there. And you just saw Will Rogers enter the portal after Galen DeBoer left, the old Mississippi State transfer. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Penn State. What kind of step can Drew Aller take coming up in this spring? This is a really important you know, if you had to rank top five important springs, Drew Aller would be on the top five in the Big Ten for for getting this thing going here, especially with a new offensive coordinator and Andy Colmecki who comes over from Kansas. Julian Fleming coming in from Ohio State. Maybe he's the missing ingredient. We'll see, former number one player. But um yeah, it's it's a it's one of those conferences that especially if you're a program like Nebraska and your developmental program, you just need Recruit, retain, develop, and you know, even if it's not this year that you're catching up with the Joneses, just keep it together. You know, don't don't ride the waves of of wins and losses as much as you are the day to day grind. And so, that's where that's where this program is at right now. And I think this Big Ten, you know, the, the Jim Harbaugh thing, like you mentioned, it sounds like he's going to be headed to the NFL. We'll see if the Chargers like the interview enough to to put up with him for another three or four or five years, let alone a couple of hours that they spent with him. Um, but that whole contract situation with Harbaugh in Michigan and what he's trying to get in those uh, details printed so that if he's, if uh, there is a suspension or if there is a uh, some more findings come out that he can't be fired from it, I mean, that's where we're at in life, where we're trying to get clauses put in where I can't be fired. I mean, that's a pretty good thing. I can get bought out, but I can't be fired. That's where Jim Harbaugh is right now. But when you win a national championship, I suppose, uh, to the victors go the spoils of the contracts. A few more minutes. Matt Chick with us next hour. Mitch Sherman on Glenn Thomas. Chris Kelsey with us. We'll get to your stream comments as well on the Glenn Thomas hiring. Nebraska's got their quarterback coach. More with Chick as we talk some uh, further college football, some NFL tale varsity on a Tuesday powered by Cornhead Lager. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Matt Schick with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And I thought throwing around a decent amount that the national championship game was Washington's welcome to the Big Ten and the proof that these Pac-12 schools are going to need an adjustment period to, to fit the style that's needed to go win in the Big Ten. Do you buy that narrative that, that these four schools are going to need an adjustment period over the next couple of years to, to finally fit into the Big Ten? Well, what was it, the old Bo Pelini line? I hope they're going to have to adjust to us. I think Scott Frost might have mentioned that as well. Those, those words kind of come back to haunt a little bit. Um, it's funny, yeah, they might need to adjust. At the same time, there's a bunch of them coming in, right? So <laughs> there is going to be, need to be some adjustment on the other end. But this was, a, you know, this was a Washington team that recruited outside the top 30 
um, in terms of their average recruiting rank over the last five years. So it's actually pretty impressive that they made it that far. But I think, you know, a, a quarterback can overcome some deficiencies, but that was a pretty talented team. And they were, you know, I'd like to say that that score might have been closer than the, the game was closer than the score indicated, although Michigan was in control of that game and didn't ever really feel in doubt. You know, you're a couple of drops away that turn into catches that make it into a, a little more interesting. Um, I, I think the linchpin to all of this is is Oregon. Oregon, to me, is the kind of program that, because of the way they've recruited, can come in and be the number one team in the conference You know, for the next two or three years. I, I really think they could do that. Um, they've, they've figured out the quarterback position. We'll see how Gabriel does. Ohio State is still trying to figure that part out. But I think it's Oregon. I think it's Ohio State. You know, you have to throw Michigan in there. But you know, what what is the staying power of a Michigan that now will be without JJ McCarthy and perhaps their head coach? We're going to find out. You know, it's one thing to lose your quarterback. It's another to lose your head coach. It's another to lose both in the same offseason, coming off the best pro- year in program history. So, um, you know, in terms of the other programs, I, I just Oregon to me is that is that team that I think if you're in the Big Ten, it's careful here. Well, if they can keep recruiting at this level, they're going to be a team that's going to be a tough out every single week. Chick, thoughts on Saban, his retirement, reaction to DeBoer uh, being the pick by Greg Byrne? I'd love to hear the, the behind-the-scenes conversations of was Kalen DeBoer number one on the list at all times? By all accounts, it was, but it's always that way, right? The, the person who takes the job is always the number one pick. Uh, just ask Bill Callahan at Nebraska, right? He was always the guy that Nebraska and Steve Peterson wanted. Um, but there's no discounting how good Kalen DeBoer is. I tweeted out last week that when he had won his third national championship at Sioux Falls, a month later, Nick Saban won his first at Alabama. And now here we are about 15 years later, and they, he's replacing the, the greatest of all time. It's it's pretty incredible the rise for Kalen DeBoer. He's by all accounts, a good guy, a good coach, great with X's and O's, bringing Ryan Grubb over. Now, Ryan Grubb, who was the offensive coordinator in Washington, turned down the Alabama OC job to stay with DeBoer in Washington, and Washington turns him down for the, the head coaching job, so he leaves for the OC job at Alabama. And this is where we're at here in the, in the coaching carousel. But, um, it, you know, Nick Saban set the standard for Alabama. I do, I do wonder if, while it's going to be challenging for DeBoer, if life maybe becomes somewhat more manageable for other coaches because, A, you're not going against the GOAT, and, B, that standard is now gone. It was always, hey, look at what Alabama's doing. Why can't we be like that? That dynasty's gone. Winning like that seems to be in the rear view, as evidenced by the fact that Michigan just won the national championship. So we'll see if the playing field is leveled a little bit in college football. But um, I thought the hire was smart, and I love the fact that other coaches put out recommitment videos like Lanning and Sark. They might have never been offered the job and probably weren't, but they get whispered that they might be mentioned. Time to put out a recommitment video and get a raise. That is pretty smart. That is smart society right there in coaching 101. Matt, if you go back 12 months, the most intriguing hire of, of last year's cycle was clearly Coach Prime to Colorado, and I don't think anyone's gotten close to reaching that level of intrigue this offseason, but who gets that title for you? What's the most intriguing head coaching hire we saw this cycle? Is it DeBoer? Are you going somewhere else? What, let's say Matt Schick in terms of the most intriguing hire in this uh, coaching carousel. 
Well, the one that, that I'm interested in to see how he does because he's won in a lot of places is Kurt Signetti in, in Indiana because he has come in with such bravado and telling the world that Purdue and Michigan are terrible and not so many words and <laughs> saying that to the, uh, to the masses there at Indiana. He won at JMU. He's coming in. He's like, I'm a winner. Look at my resume. Google it. You can tell I win. I just can't wait to see how it turns out. You know, what are these post-game news conferences when he loses more games in one month than he did in three years? I don't know. But that, that's one where I'm interested in. And Jed Fish, to me, is probably as good a hire as Washington could have done under the circumstances. He's won at a lot of places. He's got NFL experience. Can he hold it together in Washington? Like, if you're a Big Ten fan, you're, you know, you're an outside-the-Southeast-Conference footprint fan, that's a, that's a hire that you hope works out. Because the last thing you want is Washington catching lightning in a bottle and joining the Big Ten and becoming a 500 team. I don't think they will, and I think Jed Fish is, is probably good enough to do that. But those would be, those would be a couple that, that stand out. All right, NFL, Schick, the Bills, the Chiefs this weekend. How are you feeling as a lifelong card-carrying member of Bills Mafia? If you could have been, I know you would have been jumping off the, uh, the snow mountain onto a table. Uh, you, uh, you weren't able to do that, but you get a chance to take down a nemesis in the postseason. Well, yeah, this is what we've been waiting for for a while. I have been a member of Bills Mafia, but um, unlike them, I only take my shirt off inside the house and only when the lights are off. So that's where, that's where the difference <laughs> is between us and them. Uh, but I will say... My eight-year-old son is a huge Chiefs fan. I don't know where I went wrong. Um, I don't know. Like, I've taught him to fear God, respect your parents, respect your friends, do well, treat well, treat others well, and to be a Bills fan. I veered off on the last one big time, so I don't know what that means for the others. But he's a big Patrick Mahomes fan. He likes to talk trash. Um, thankfully, the game's not at 8 o'clock at night. We'll be able to watch it together. But I would... I, I was telling one of my other kids the other day, I'm like, I would love to just be able to. No, I was telling my brother, who lives in Denver, he's a Bills fan as well, that I would love to take your nephew, my son, eight years old, to Buffalo to watch that game just to see the tears kind of roll down his eyes and maybe freeze as they get down the chin there as the uh, as the Chiefs get uh, get beat up a little bit by the Bills. That would be that would be it's a cut, tough for me to say as a, as a dad, but. There's only one way to get kids off of one bandwagon to another, and that's to win and to beat them up. So wish list, uh, seeing my child cry. Uh, I'll say Matt Schick, out of context, just said uh, sometimes you need to beat your kids up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. don't don't cut that out. out. (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, that's... Clearly, clearly taken out of context. I never so, do that to others. You shouldn't do it to me. So if, if the Bills are down two scores, heaven forbid, and he starts mouthing off, is it go to your room, see ya? Well, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably it. Or a, um, or a, whoa, look, something happened to the, the TV signal. Sorry, we can't watch the rest. <laughs> you know, type of thing. We lost um, the signal. <laughs> we, control, we control the cable signal here in the house. I like it. Matt Schick with his ESPN, Sirius XM, Schick and Nick Show. Get the podcast with her at Sports at ESPN underscore Schick. Matt, thanks for a few minutes today. Always appreciate it, guys. Have a good one.
Good to hear from Chick. Good thoughts on Glenn Thomas. Reminder to get buckled up. Seatbelt saves live. They prevent injuries only if properly worn. Make it click. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Your comments in the stream next. Chris Kelsey, Mitch Sherman, next hour with Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're doing all right. And uh, more on the Glenn Thomas hire as Mitch Sherman with his next hour. Uh, Chris Kelsey, uh, fantastic player for Nebraska for the Bills. And uh, we'll check in with him on some NFL thoughts. So uh, stream comments and big thanks to, to Matt Schick for joining us here as uh, Bob checks in. Uh, as we get to some of your stream comments, uh, Riola will love this. But the uh, the big person going to benefit is uh, Danny Kalen. So glad he stayed and didn't transfer. Uh, you have uh, Brett checking in from Oklahoma. Hell must have really frozen over. Michigan wins a title. The Bucks and Baker beat the Eagles. How about Trey Palmer? Woke up, ticked off. Oklahoma's become the new Alaska here with all this beautiful scenery and snow. Apologies about the snow down there. Jan's all for the higher GBR. She's uh, extremely happy about that. Uh, Brett is, and there's a lot of comments here, Elijah, about you know what's up with Dana. What's the timeline? And I think if Nebraska is going to add to their analyst room in the form of Dana Holgerson, it's probably February. I think that's that's the the timeline here. Uh, Brett, I, I don't want to put a specific date on it and, and say February, but like Dana Holgerson, I think is very comfortable kicking his feet up and and I think I, we kind of laid it out back in in the first segment. Like, you know, it's okay to have an analyst role in your back pocket mm-hmm. as you kick your feet up and enjoy an off season. It, it's stressful to be a head coach. He's getting a couple months off for the first time in damn near a decade. Kick your feet up, relax a little bit. If you want it, there's probably an analyst role for you at Nebraska. If some other jobs, there's an NFL offensive coordinator gig that comes open. I don't think it's going to be any skin off Dana Holgerson's back to say, ah, sir, thanks, but no thanks, Nebraska. I got this great NFL gig. I think he's just comfortable kicking his feet up, letting the coaching carousel play out and understanding he's probably got an analyst role in his back pocket at Nebraska if he wants it. That's, yeah, that's or, kind of the feel I get with Holgerson. Or if he wants more as an OC or if he wants to be a head coach again. I mean, Things have been crazy. And there's there's just, yeah, a lot of things that can happen. Everyone knows it from a, you take a, a week of vacation from your job and your, your state of mind is completely different mm-hmm. than when you leave for vacation. How about taking a couple months off after a high-stress head coaching gig? Two spots. At two, two different stops. spots, at both West Virginia and Houston, to, you know what, decompress a little bit, let yourself uh, uh, kind of relax and see where this, the process takes you. Well, interesting's the word if uh, Holgerson were to join rule and comment a little bit further down here uh, anonymous says as long as thomas turns harburg into the second coming of josh allen i'll consider him to be a good hire it's pretty good hey why not and uh, you've got lance checking in as well here uh, glenn thomas a student offensive assistant with holgerson at texas tech that staff under leach uh hey uh, the old pirate he knew how to pick him, man. He had a really good coaching tree. And uh, Dion, uh, we'll get to out of here uh, with um, Dion's comment here a little bit further down. 
there we go. Here, uh, why does it seem like most Big Ten teams were a thousand times better at hiring coaches in Nebraska pre-rule? Comes down to administration, Dion. Well, and, and so much, too, of college football's relationships. And Matt Rule has shown himself to be a person that does not burn bridges, keeps relationships open, and has a wide network of friends. No, he, he has got uh, those connections. Brandon, Nebraska upgrades at the OC position. It automatically becomes number one. Well, you've got another voice in mind that's done the OC work on staff now. Hour two coming up. Hail Varsity powered by Cornhead Lager. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it at Tower 2 at Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, an All-American and All-Big 12 selection, 10-year vet with the Buffalo Bills. We love talking some NFL and Husker football as uh, we say hi to Chris Kelsey with us here on Hale Varsity. Chris, how's the, the week been for you? Thanks for the time. Well, other than cold, it's been great. Um, you know, kids are out of school still. Uh, they uh, Two of them, anyway. My oldest goes to Scott. They had school today, but the uh, younger two, my freshman and seventh grader, are out. So um, hopefully tomorrow we're able to get them back in school and get them learning again because uh, it's kind of been a long weekend. <laughs> I was going to say, you and a lot of parents were, were all nodding. Yes, uh, get them back in the class and, and out of the living room uh, as much as That's you right. love them. So what's the, the, the craziest weather game you participated in in Buffalo? Um, we've had a few. Um, I remember it would have been the first year um, the Giants won the Super Bowl. Uh, we played them in Buffalo, um, Week 17, last game of the regular season. And uh, it was cold, but it poured right at the end of the first half and just soaked us. And then when we came out after halftime, the temperature dropped. I, I don't know what exactly, but it felt like 20 degrees, and so it was just super cold. Um but you know what? I was fortunate. We played in some snow. Nothing like uh, what they've experienced in recent years. Um, the coldest game I ever played in in my life by by far was uh, my senior year in high school in the state semifinals against David City Aquinas in David City. Um, I don't remember what what it was. Clearly, well below zero. But um, I'll always remember that game. Just how how brutally cold it was. Did you win? We did not. We got beat, and David City went on to uh, to win the state championship. Much like my junior year, we played in the uh, played Milford in the state semis, and they went on to uh, beat Battle Creek in the state championship. So I had two years in a row there, junior senior year, where we uh, fell short in the semis. Does the weather phase you? Or are you able to go to a deep dark place and just ball? Yeah, I think adrenaline kicks in when you're on the field. Um, you don't notice it um, nearly as much as is when you come off and you're standing or sitting on the sideline waiting for your offense to uh, do their thing to, to get you back out there. Um, I joke all the time, um, you know, out on the field, you can play at anything. I don't care if it's hot, cold, um, whatever the, the temperature may be. Um, you don't really notice it when you're out there in the action, but when you're standing on the sidelines waiting to get back out there is when it, uh, when it affects you the most. 
Well, well, tell me then. A lot of people have, have looked at the playoffs this weekend and said that was football weather right there. Tell me, what is the best weather for football? Maybe it's from a fan perspective, from a player perspective, you sitting on your couch. What screams football weather to you? You know, you get home field advantage in the playoffs. That's the that's the the purpose of of wanting to you know to win the division, get a home home playoff game. Um, unfortunately for us, you know, it it. it it was against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was just right down the road, you know, a couple hours away, playing in the similar elements. But uh, if it was to be like a Miami Dolphins or a Southern team or a, or a Dome team that comes to Buffalo to play in those type of type of conditions, um, obviously it's a it's a huge um, advantage for for Buffalo. Um, myself personally, I like those those games that are you know mid seventies, around eighty degrees, you know, where you don't have it one way or another. It's just perfect football weather and. And, and the elements just don't affect you. Um, I like uh, I like a clean game, especially this time of year. You hate to to have a, a team that um, you know might be limited in what they can do offensively or defensively because of the conditions. Um, uh, I think this time of year is when you want the want to see the best product from from both teams on the field and, and the best team wins. So um, yeah, I'd say anything uh, other than too cold and too. Too hot, you know, somewhere right there in between. Perfect football weather. So, in your time in Buffalo, ten years, oh three to twenty twelve, did you ever have a chance to uh, bump into to Bills Mafia pre kickoff and and say what's up at a tailgate or at least after a, a ball game, a celebration? I mean, some of the the footage was incredible with the giant snow mountain, folks trudging through eighteen feet of snow, hip deep. It felt like to get to their seats. So the fans were hardy. Of course, Buffalo fans always, some Pittsburgh fans, to your point, made the trip as well. But any experience with the Mafia firsthand in uh, in, in a tailgate setting? Um, yeah, you know, usually after a game. And I've been to, to quite a few games since retiring. Um, so more so then um, than back when I was playing. Um, but, I mean, living in Buffalo for as long as we did, um, you see them around town. Buffalo is really a close knit, small community. Um, you know, very similar to Nebraska. Really, um, they know their players. So if you go out to dinner, or if you're out at the grocery store, or around town, you know, shopping, whatever it may be, um, they know who you are, and, and it is truly a um, a family atmosphere. Um, but yeah, like you said, they uh, they travel um, far and wide. Um, I took my son, my 13 year old, down to uh, Miami uh, two weekends ago to watch the the Bills beat the Dolphins for the AFC East Championship, and um, the amount of fans down there was, was just mind-boggling. I, I bet the stadium was 50-50 as far as Dolphins and, and Bills fans. But, yeah, they come in, uh, regardless of the weather, regardless of the conditions, they come in full force. And, and I'm sure after yesterday there was a lot of – a lot of tables being broke, and Bill's mafia were, were loud and proud, that's for sure. Well, that, that's going to be my next question. Have you sent your son face first through a table yet? <laughs> Not yet. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I will either, man. Some of the some of the videos that you see and um, you know, some of the, the injuries that you've seen in, in some of those wild videos is just mind-boggling to me. But um, they're, they're a very passionate group of fans, and, and I've been fortunate. You know, I only played for – for three teams, high school, college, and, and, and professionally. And um, I've been fortunate to have some of the greatest fans uh, all three phases of my career. How you feeling uh, against KC, the matchup this weekend? I like the matchup. You know, we got a couple guys banged up 
yesterday, um, which I think we'll get a couple back as well. Um, it's good to have Hyde and Poyer um, defensively on the back end. I think when they're both healthy and playing together, um, two of the better safeties um, in the league, um, I'd say one of the best tandems there are. Um, but I think we'll get Gabe Davis back um, this week. You know, he sustained an injury early in the Miami game two weeks ago. Um, yesterday at one point towards the end of the game, I think we had all backup linebackers in the game when, when Leonard went down. And, um, man, we just had the injury bug early in the year, losing Milano and, and uh, Tredavious White and some of our guys defensively. We've got a few back. But, um, you know, we beat them once in the regular season. But, you know, if you watch that Kansas City game the other day, um, they're starting to roll. That defense has really carried up this season, which is crazy to say when you have Patrick Mahomes and, and Jason, or excuse me, uh, Travis Kelsey on offense. Um, you know, his receivers hasn't helped him much this year with all the drops they have, but they're still a very dynamic offense, and, and uh, their defense will get after it. So it's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, I like our chances. I really do. I think Josh Allen, um, you know, just the dual threat he is, you see him bust a whatever it was, 51, 53-yard run yesterday. Um, he can hit you with that at any time. But, again, we're going to have to protect him. I'm um, going to have to keep him clean, and then our other guys are going to have to step up, um, catch the ball, run the ball, um, and then be physical, both sides of the line of scrimmage, offensively and defensively in the line. You know, it always comes down to turnovers. Uh, any level, NFL, it's at a premium. And it's risk-reward, quite frankly, as great as both quarterbacks are. That's been an Achilles heel when each team has lost. And do you like how – how Allen's taken care of the football here recently. It's one of those deals you have to take the bad with the good, you know, because you wouldn't be in this position uh, if you didn't have Josh Allen. Um, even down in Miami, like I keep referencing this game because it was such a it was such a back-and-forth game, and it really shouldn't have been close. But in the first half alone, I think we had four trips to the red zone, including that uh, um, end of the first half drive where we're down the red zone, threw the ball in the field of play instead of throwing the end zone. Time runs out without any timeouts to kick the ball. But we had four trips in the, in the red zone, had two interceptions, um, and came away with no points. So, um, yeah, I mean, you look at it, like you said, statistically you look at, 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 a, at a box score, um, you look at turnovers, you look at third down percentages, and usually is the tail of the tape. They'll, they'll tell you who, who won, won the game. But, with Josh Allen, he's able to make up for a lot of those turnovers that he's had throughout the year. Um, seems to be in the red zone a lot of times. I don't know if it's just a coincidence or if, if he takes a more, few more chances down there. But, um, again, sometimes you just got to grin and bear it, um, just hoping that, that he gets another chance. And if he can keep it close and it's a one-score game at the, at the end of the, the fourth quarter and, and we can have the ball in our hands, um, I like our chances with Josh Allen behind center. Chris Kelsey's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, talking Buffalo Bills. Uh, Chris, uh, proud Husker, and you keep an eye on the Big Red. Uh, what do you think? What's your reaction with uh, the Dylan Riola hype and just kind of the, the momentum this team has in the offseason? They made strides. Defense looked great last year. They got a quarterback's coach today, uh, part of rural staff with uh, Glenn Thomas and made some key portal acquisitions, too, on the offense from a skills standpoint. Are you excited about 2024? Man, I think all of us are. Um, they've done a really good job of, of targeting players in the transfer portal, um, recruiting our own players. Um, you know, Dylan was a huge get. Um, I think, you know, even since he committed uh, originally to Georgia, I think there's still just 
kind of that that feeling in the back of our minds that that he'd that he'd switch and that we'd end up uh, getting him, and, and that's obviously the case now. So um, I think it's very well uh, to do, and, and and I think that we just need to keep this momentum going. Um, ultimately, it depends on what they do when they get here, right? How we can uh, develop them and, and and what kind of product we can put on the field. But I absolutely love what Coach Rule is doing, Tony White. Um, I talked to Adam Carricker here a few weeks ago. Actually, it was still in the season. I think it was before we were going up to Wisconsin, but um, there was a scuttlebutt that he was going to leave, and and uh, he asked me, what, what do we need to do to keep Tony White? And I said, whatever it takes, because his defense and what he's done with that group of guys that we had on the field this year was, was nothing short of amazing. And, and to give him another year with that system, with our kids, and, and with the guys, the young men that are coming in, I'm super excited. I haven't been this excited about our defense in, in a long, long time. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of momentum, like you said. There's a lot of uh, hype around Dylan and, and, and some of the guys that they've they've gotten. Um, and I just hope that continues. And then, ultimately, um, we go out and just keep uh, compete our, our rear ends off next year and, and uh, try to get in the hunt, you know. Um, it, 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 you know, Chris. Uh, rosters, can, rosters can completely change now with the whole NIL, transfer portal, all that. Um, it's It's not like it used to be where it takes some time to – get the right pieces in place you can do it uh, it seems like just overnight anymore it seems like you know not only is there a fit but there's a really good plan so even some of the young kids chris got in and made pretty big impacts i look at those three freshman defensive linemen all really had uh, some key moments last season it, you know it, it all uh, it worked out so far and, and you know there's a there's a ceiling they can reach yeah, and uh, I think, again, it's hats off to, to Coach Rule and his staff and just how they operate, man. They're doing things the right way. I've been able to uh, go to a few of their practices this year and to watch how he runs practice. It's a very efficient practice, um, but yet he's not afraid to stop things and coach. Um, he doesn't he doesn't overlook the little things, and that's the thing that impressed me the most is, is he'll take two or three minutes and address the little things so they don't become big things. And, um, and it doesn't matter who he's coaching. It doesn't matter if it's one of your starters or if it's a backup or, or, or somebody on the show team. So, um, yeah, I, I just think that uh, um, I know myself and, and a lot of the uh, other former players that have a chance to be around the program and see some of these guys and, and to check out practices. Um, I've heard nothing but great things, and, and uh, I look forward to the future here with, with Coach Rule. Chris Kelsey with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Chris, the, the topic of the week, aside from Glenn Thomas being announced, been the, the newcomers, the early enrollees arriving on campus. You're a guy, if I remember correctly, not an early enrollee. You, uh, you redshirt your, your freshman year, true freshman year, I should say, then your second year on campus is whenever you, you finally start getting some playing time. Tell me, what do you think the, the extra impact of being able to show up five or six months before your, uh, your mates would give you and, and tell me about that development that you saw your own first 12 months on campus. Yeah. And I was a little bit unique cause I had a brother, you know, who's going to be a senior. So as soon as, as my senior year in high school, uh, wound down, I mean, I packed up and I moved to Lincoln and, and, and moved right in with my brother and his roommate at the time, Steve Raymond, um, lived with them, worked out with them, um, and really taught, uh, he, those guys, you know, the upper class one taught me the ropes. Um, they, they welcomed me with open arms. And, you know, at that point during the summer and, and um, into workouts back then, you know, coaches weren't around. It was all player-led, and um, I learned a lot. You know, I didn't take my red shirt until after my fifth or sixth game, my, my true freshman year. Um, and then by that time, you know, rules are a little different with red shirts now. But uh, if I would have got thrown in, somebody gets banged up and play for a few snaps, I, I'd lose an entire year of eligibility. So I went to Coach Solich and 
asked for my red shirt and they gave it to me, obviously. And, and that was the best thing for me. You hate it because my brother played as a true freshman. And back then, you know, you want to come in and play right away. And, um, and that was a goal of mine. But obviously, hindsight being 2020, it's the best thing that happened to me in my entire career, probably, is having that extra year to develop. Um, not just um, on the football field and in the weight room, but also in the classroom, too. Got my degree, and, and, and that actually helped out a ton. But, yeah, I mean, I, I learned a ton from, from my brother and, and those other seniors and um, sophomores and juniors that, that we hung around with, worked out with, and um, kind of learned it from the best at the time. So, um, you know, I was, I was quite a bit away, uh, quite a bit ahead of, of my class when they got there, but, uh, um, you know, they acclimated themselves pretty quickly, too. But, it did give me a foot up. I think just having that connection with my brother there and, and knowing a lot of those guys from going up and watching them play the, the previous three years. So um, it was a it was a feather in my hat for sure. Chris, you take care. Best of luck to Buffalo, and thanks for a few minutes. No, anytime. I appreciate you guys. Good to hear from Chris Kelsey, Mitch Sherman from the Athletic. Next on Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. It's that time. Hey, Mitch. Mitchy, 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 Mitchy. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, talking Big Red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. And instead of Mitch releasing the fury... Mitch released the news today about Glenn Thomas, Nebraska quarterbacks coach. Mitch, how we doing? Thanks for a few minutes and uh, surprised by the, the news today, or did you think this was just a matter of time? Yeah, I'm well, Schmitty. Thanks. Good to talk to you guys. Um, not surprised in the sense that the Pittsburgh Steelers season ended yesterday, and Matt Rule clearly was waiting on on that move, um, on that on that uh, that point to occur, uh, us to get to this point where the, the Steelers were no longer playing and Glenn Thomas was was available to hire. Um, you know, we've talked about him in the past, and I knew he was a candidate. You know, clearly Nebraska's been in conversations with Dana Holgerson too, and and if that's going to happen, um, you know, now uh, there's an, there would be an analyst job um, that that would be open for him, but. Um, it does appear that, that otherwise Nebraska's staff for next season, the full-time on-field coaching staff is set with the addition of Thomas and the shift of Marcus Satterfield as still offensive coordinator and the play caller. Um, that's important to note. Um, but he will coach tight ends, and, and Josh Martin, who coached the tight ends last year, um, on short notice, on quick notice, after Bob Wager resigned at the end of July, uh, Martin will move back to his role that he filled a year ago as an offensive analyst. So, Mitch, let's get a little backdrop on Glenn Thomas, uh, his fit with the offense, with Sat, with Rule, the vision, and, and most importantly, you know, what have you gleaned with, with Thomas's track record uh, working with quarterbacks? What can Nebraska fans expect from, from his expertise, his, his experience? Right. Well, we know about his time with the Atlanta Falcons, um, which was his first stint in the NFL, and how he was just an offensive assistant, which is like an analyst in college, and, and then uh, was promoted to the quarterback's coach and, and coached Ryan for Matt Ryan for three years, and, and there were three successful years. He threw for, I believe, 4,000 yards and a lot of touchdowns in each one of those, each one of those seasons. So 
Um, that's a feather in, in, in Thomas's cap, and he went from there to working with Matt Rule at Temple in 2015 and, and 2016, which were Rule's final two seasons and most successful two seasons at Temple. And they had P.J. Walker, who was a quarterback that, that Rule started as a freshman and, and used all through Walker's career, um, collegiate career. And then Walker ended up playing for, for Rule in, in the NFL. Um, Thomas was a quarterback's coach uh, one year. He was offensive coordinator the next year. Um, and then, and then much of the staff went to to Baylor. Uh, Rule, Thomas, and Satterfield included. So they were there together for three seasons. Uh, Thomas coached quarterbacks. He was co-offensive coordinator for for um, all or some of that time, and uh, and then moved on to UNLV, Arizona State, and and to the Steelers. Which brings us to to now with this reunion between the three of them. And I think the important thing to know is is that they've. It's not just Rule and Thomas who have worked together. It's it's Satterfield too, and that should help Nebraska in this transition. And really, there's no time to waste because you have a pair of true freshman quarterbacks, including Dylan Rayola, who is starting school next Monday in Lincoln, and and Glenn Thomas will be there um, to be his coach, to be his position coach, and the main voice inside the program that. Dylan Raiola, who's of course billed as as a prodigy, um, as the you know he's the five star quarterback who's in line to start as a true freshman. Um, this is the guy that he's going to listen to and work with every day. Yeah, we've had some uh, some questions in our, our stream chat, Mitch, about what exactly Thomas's role is actually going to be. Do you have any sort of of, of sense of what that's going to be? Does he have a a role in in calling the offense, game planning the offense, passing game, or is he specifically just could be looking at the quarterbacks, essentially, hey, don't mess up Dylan Ryla. Well, what is his, his day-to-day life going to be? Do you have any idea? I think the day-to-day life is quarterbacks coach. Now, whether they give him a title, um, if they give him a passing game coordinator title to, um, in order to um, you know, fit with whatever salary he receives, you know, that's, that's um, outside of what I know right now. So we'll wait until Nebraska, um, at least as of, the last I had checked this afternoon, this is yet to be announced by the by the school, but that's that's coming soon, and and maybe that'll provide some clarity um, on a title. But you know, when it comes down to it, whether there's a title in addition to quarterbacks coach, his primary responsibility, yes, is to coach those guys, and not just Dylan Raiola, because we know from watching Nebraska that it takes more than one quarterback to win at Nebraska and and throughout college football and in the Big Ten, and so his job will be to get. Dylan ready to go, um, presumably, as the starter, but we'll see what spring ball holds. And then also to work with Danny Kalen, to work with Heinrich Harburg, and um, you know any others who are in that room. There's some walk-ons there now, but um, perhaps uh, you know, Nebraska's going to leave the door open for, for whatever, whoever else might be added to that room, and, and Thomas will have some say in that after they see uh, all of the, the results of, of spring practice. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch breaking the news earlier today about 11.40 with the Athletic. Uh, Glenn Thomas, Nebraska new quarterback's coach. And uh, that is what Rule originally wanted, Mitch, and they made do last year. And quarterback, really, you know, you can look at it two ways. One, that guys that didn't see a lot of time ended up coming in and Nebraska was on the cusp of bowl eligibility or beyond the other side of that coin is that the 25 turnovers attributed to quarterbacks 
So on one hand, I like Nebraska trying to to make do with what the strengths of that quarterback room were. The other side of it is you got to be better at protecting the football. Based on what you've looked at with with his quarterback history, have you seen improvement uh, when when Thomas has gotten a hold of some quarterbacks and had a chance to coach some guys up? Yeah, I haven't dug too deep into it yet, but at the college level, yes. And it's hard to know sometimes with the NFL because there's so many coaches on a staff. And, you know, this year with the Steelers, he was, again, an offensive assistant, uh, which is similar to his role when he started with the Falcons. So, you know, you can look at the Steelers this year, and they had a very Nebraska-like, at least recent Nebraska-like season with the quarterbacks in Pittsburgh this year, injuries and 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 you know various things happen that caused the Steelers to have to play three quarterbacks and and you know Thomas was not the guy who was directly responsible for them but that doesn't mean that he that he didn't have an impact I don't know um, I look forward to getting the opportunity mm-hmm. to talk to him when when he's on the ground in Lincoln and and their period of recruiting that extends into the the, the very end of January is over and and we get to chat about that exact thing about how he's he's worked to improve quarterbacks within his system because there's going to be improvement needed for all of these guys you know you can come in as a five-star and you know throw the ball 70 yards uh in the air and win the the long pass competition at the polynesian bowl like we've seen with Rayola this week and have all the tools all the physical tools that you need but he's going to have to grow and of course they're going to want him to grow i mean he's coming in as a true freshman and there's going to be a lot likely asked of him so the the, the person coaching that position is hugely important for for his development and you know dylan of course has received a lot of training and a lot of and has developed a lot outside of um you know his his coaches at the high school level and you know i think he'll still continue to seek some um some training and and do things to refine his game but the main guy now for him you know in addition to rule and in addition in addition to satterfield as the oc uh it's going to be glenn thomas he'll work with him most closely um, and, and be, in, be in position meetings and, and in film reviews with him. So um, that's, that, that's, we have more to learn um, coming down, the, down over the next several weeks and months about the history that Thomas has had with quarterbacks and exactly how they've progressed uh, under, under his, his eye. What kind of jump, Mitch, can the offense make when, you know, with Rule being the head man? You've got Sat. And then you have Glenn Thomas now. What can that one-two punch do? Sats calling the offense. Glenn's got to get the quarterback to to pull the trigger. Yeah. Well, first of all, the the improvement of the, that the offense is is going to make is going to mostly involve the personnel. And Nebraska has already upgraded the personnel at the quarterback spot with the the true the two freshmen that it's added uh, through recruiting and. Also, it's upgraded the offense with the work that it's done in the portal to provide weapons for, for those quarterbacks to distribute the ball to. And I'm thinking primarily about Isaiah Nair from Texas and about Jamal Banks from Wake Forest and two senior wide receivers who, who both have a history of catching the ball and putting up, putting up numbers. Uh, you know, that could be your wide receiver one and wide receiver two, or, or they could work into the offense in a different way where Malachi Coleman and Jalen Lloyd and Alex Bullock and Jaden Doss and Demetrius Bell and others are, are, are also featured. And I think it'll be a combination of some of that. Those guys don't walk in and immediately get the, the top positions, but their experience is, is valuable, and that will go a long way 
also the the the, um, the signing of Dante Dowdell as a transfer from Oregon. He's a younger guy. I don't think he has the immediate impact necessarily as the two senior wide receivers, but uh, there's a lot of pieces that Nebraska's added. And on top of that, maybe the, maybe the the least important, but still an important thing in all of that is how this thing shakes out with the coaches. And now Marcus Satterfield, you know, he had a lot on his plate in in 2023. And I think if Matt Rule had any idea at all that 23 was going to go the way that it did with Jeff Sims out of the gate and then having to, to, to turn to the quarterbacks that he did and the lack of experience that he had, that they had, um, they, they may have, they may have done things differently in shaping the staff, but now uh, they've got Satterfield in a, in a spot where he can focus on the tight ends and spend a huge amount of his time game planning and strategizing. And then Thomas of course can focus just on the one position, which is the most important position on the field. Mitch, last thought here, 30 seconds with Nebraska's on-field staff likely being being done for the year. Which position coach do you think has the most important next nine months getting his group ready in terms of the success it could lead to next next football season in 2024? I mean, the easy answer is to say Thomas. Uh, it's the, uh, like I just got done saying, it's such an important position, and we all know that, and we all know that Nebraska will go in large part how its quarterbacks go, but you know, I'll look at Donnie Raiola, too, and they've got a lot of work to do to get this offensive line to gel together, probably a new right guard in Marcus Mazuka, the transfer from um, from Florida, and uh, um, and then fitting all the pieces back together to make sure that, that, the, that, that the Huskers are healthy up front. So um, the, the answer is, is, is Thomas, but you can never overlook the importance of what they're going to do on the offensive line. Ten seconds. Uh, just be, be patient uh, for Dana Holgerson. There's a lot of questions about Dana. Yeah, I, 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 he could go a number of places. You know, the coaching carousel is still spinning, and it's been revved up in the last week or two with, with moves from big schools. So, And maybe the NFL would, is, is a possibility in his future, but it's not out of the question that Nebraska could still end up with him um, on staff in a non-coaching role. Mitch, you take care. Thanks for making time today, bud. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman, Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. Podcast there for you, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Radio, Twitter, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Reminder about your friends at Dyer Law when we talk personal injury. If you've been in a personal injury accident, you can count on the team at Dyer Law with a helping hand when you need it, no matter what you're dealing with. Call Dyer Law. Today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your personal injury claim. That's Dyer.Law, Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. So we've uh, hit the, the big story today. That is Glenn Thomas. A lot of comments in the stream and uh, discussing Nebraska's coaching staff in reference to the Big Ten, and you've got a lot of transition, you got a lot of turnover, especially this coaching cycle, not only with staffs, but some big names. Uh, Nick Saban, of course, retiring. Jim Harbaugh sounds like he's off to the NFL. Kalen DeBoer departs Washington. And what's the seam, what's the window like for Rule and company in year two of the Big Ten. You get a five-star quarterback. You've got a stud defensive coordinator. You've got a ton returning on the defensive side of the football. You've got a ton of offensive linemen returning, plus some of those kids that developed. You've gone portaling, and it looks great on paper. Now can you bring it all together 
And can you go in some close ball games with a really tough but fun schedule, especially the last seven in 2024? Uh, coaching staffs are, are so key, man. And that's where you get mismatched. Player-wise, right, for years, Nebraska's been at the level or better recruiting. Uh, when you look at the Wisconsins, the, the, the Minnesotas, the Iowas, the Old West, the Northwesterns of the world, the Purdue's, you, you didn't have success post-Bow. Really, you didn't. Uh, now, right now, you're recruiting at a higher level. Uh, are you developing at a as good or better level? That's, to me, what is going to be the differentiator. Can you pair that high-level talent you do bring in, i.e. five-star quarterback, and can you develop that, and then can those guys touch the ceiling? Can you get great offensive line play? What I'm excited about, and just some numbers we looked at with Glenn Thomas in the good years, right, after those, those tough first years at Temple and at Baylor, Thomas was able to to have a balanced attack, but it was kind of a pro-style attack on offense where those Baylor and Temple teams would run for about 170 yards, right? I think Rule wants to go for two bills at a minimum and, and, and be that physical fourth-quarter team. Don't kid yourself. They're going to put the ball in the air with uh, Dylan Raiola or, or – use those talents they're not going to have the running quarterback situation maybe a scramble maybe a play extension but it's not going to be harburg uh maybe maybe there'll be some harburg in the red zone with the old tim tebow package but you get what i'm saying with the the offensive style it's going to be a pocket passing system so what do you get here do you get 270 yards tossing the football do you get 170 200 on the ground and, and knock your turnovers down by two-thirds, that equals a chance to be in that Big Ten race uh, in November. But time will tell. We're way ahead of here, cart before the horse. Well, I'm not of the this opinion. is a big piece, though. I'm not of the opinion that, that the addition of Glenn Thomas and Dylan Royal changes up your offensive scheme, at least in year one, to the point where you're airing it out you know, 35, 40 It better times. change your success level, though. better change your success level. But, like, listen to what Matt Rule said about, about modeling his offense after the, the 49ers and other mm-hmm. teams in the sure. NFL. Like the 49ers aren't aren't going back there and dropping back 40, 40, 40 45 times with Brock Purdy. They're, they're going under center. They have a really, really complex, multiple under center rushing attack that opens up deep down the field shots for Brock Purdy that Brock Purdy can – read the defense pre-snap, understand that the defense has to respect the run whenever you, you drop back into that play action. And whenever you look downfield, you're not going to be confused. You're not going to be surprised by what you see. That's what the, the, the play action allows you to do. So uh, you're able to make quicker, more decisive reads, easier reads, if you will, from the quarterback spot. And, and they're not sitting back there and oh, sitting shotgun and, and taking three and five-step drops and airing it out 40-plus times. It's not going to look like what the Cowboys look like against the Packers with Dak Prescott throwing the ball 60 times. It's not going to look like that. I think you're going to have a little more trust in your quarterback. It's really going to make a difference whenever Nebraska finds themselves down by 7 points or 10 points in a ball game, 14 points in a ball game that you have a guy that you can rely upon. But I still think at least in year one, it makes a hell of a lot more sense to have the focus of your offense be be rushing the running mm-hmm. the football. It's like uh, C.J. Stroud's the exception in the NFL because usually in the NFL – 
the running back in the running game is a rookie quarterback's best friend. I think the, the same It's every be quarterback's true. best friend, the old reliable tight end, right? But you're not wrong. Well, especially so with a with a true freshman quarterback coming in. You know what? You want to rely on your rushing attack. You want Dylan Ryle to be picking up third and three, not third and 15. And you do that with a, with a solid rushing attack. Uh, and, and the things you laid out, like a good tight end helps that as well because now the defense has to respect that. Is he going up to second level to go block a linebacker? Is he going second level to go catch a pass? You don't really know. Uh, so these are all the things that I think can assist Dylan Rell, and I think that's why it makes a lot more sense for this offense to look maybe more similar to, to 2023 than people might expect. I think you're going to have a lot of under center and a lot of play action whenever Dylan Rell is throwing the football. Pretty cool with uh, what's going on in Hawaii with Dylan Raiola, Carter Nelson, both on hand. Tamua is there, a high-level offensive line. Well, we mentioned it yesterday. Imagine Dylan Raiola, play action, hits the back foot in his drop, and then just launches it 70 yards down the field on the money. Be nice to have. Yeah, Jalen Lloyd's running <laughs> wide open with 18 yards of separation because he burned a safety. 18 might be a bit much, but him and Malachi. and No, man, I mean, are you with me where let's just fast forward, not only because of the weather, but let's just get to spring ball. Uh, pretty excited about it. Pretty intrigued. And uh, I, I, I wish fall was here already. I'm already missing college football i love the nfl i've enjoyed the nfl action that's been incredible this playoff run i know there's been blowouts but there's been some good ball games uh it's been marvelous i see you've reached the point i've reached this week where you look at the schedule and go oh there's only six football games left all year Mm -hmm. one of them's a super bowl it's great the the afc title game the nfc title game nfl divisional weekends one of my favorite weekends all year long but yeah you do sit there and you just go you're staring down the barrel of a gun of another long offseason. You go, oh, man. Is it spring yet? The old countdown post-spring to to kick off is going to be pretty pretty incredible. Uh, we'll get you through it, of course. Husker hoops on our mind. We'll get you geared up for Nebraska Rutgers. Uh, they need to bounce back. They've done it all year. Can they do it on the road in Big Ten fashion? We'll spend time on that tomorrow. And uh, we'll get some more of your comments here in the stream. But, you know, you look at some of the upgrades Nebraska's made uh, between the OC uh, slash quarterback coach combination. And here's what I believe, too. I believe that, yeah, you've got the title with Sat, but you're going to have input not only from your head coach because he's hands-on, but you're going to have input and thoughts and, quite honestly, Laying out what what the guys can do. What first and foremost, what what can the quarterback do? What can our, can the O line do if you're Donnie? Uh, what's the running game look like? All that will be voiced, and then here's the game plan. Let's proceed accordingly if you're sent. So a lot of cooks, but cooks know their roles, and let's see if Nebraska can can make a jump offensively. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Thanks to Chris Kelsey. Thanks to Matt Schick of ESPN. Big thanks to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Babbers tomorrow. Evan Bland tomorrow. See what else uh, we have news-wise. But get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, download the show, or find us on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. And also the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at 
HVR City Radio. Uh, shameless plug for Mitch and Dolman and Elijah, the Average Joe uh, Sports Show pod also dropping. So uh, check that out as well. Uh, about an hour or so uh, from Mitch on that. So good stuff with him. So bowling tonight, yes? Yes, sir. So are you going to just crush a, a bowling alley cheeseburger? Are you going chili dog? Or are you just going pitcher of beer? How are you handling tonight? Uh, I got invited to dinner with my family, which is code for, hey, do you want to go to dinner? I.e., do you want to pay for dinner? I'm like, no, going home. I will air fry something and, and go that way. We'll see. I need to get some ingredients from the store. You Obviously, we, we recorded the Average Joe show a little sure. bit earlier today yeah. following the Glenn Thomas news. It's usually in my workout window. Uh, therefore, I'm going to need to work out after bowling tonight. Dude. Yeah. How do you... No. We're, we're going to figure that out. And the problem being... I'd, I'd say it's at 6.30, let's get to the gym tomorrow morning. Or is that too much to ask post-bowling? I'd much rather go whenever the gym is, you know, following January 1st. The gym is usually pretty mm-hmm. pretty full. I'd much rather go later at night whenever it's more likely to be empty as opposed to in the morning whenever it's going to be full. And then my Are you afraid to be gawked at? No, it takes twice <laughs> as long to go work out in a full gym because, oh, somebody's using the cable machine. Now I got to wait for the cable machine. I'm going to do another lift and then somebody else take the cable machine. So now I got to hit like cardio or something stupid. How do you get to bed though after you work out? That, that's, that's problematic. You work out after eight. Good luck trying to fall asleep. I'm, I'm the opposite. Okay. I'm the, I fall asleep better after a good workout, especially if you, you get home, you get a little snack in you. So you go workout. Rocky four with the, uh, the workout where you're just, you're totally spent afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah I, I go hard in there. So that's the problem, though, is you want to have a whole pitcher of beer at Bowling League. Have you ever tried working out after drinking a whole pitcher of beer? I, I you're, yes. You're not going to have a good time. There was a, when we <laughs> first moved back to town, we lived in an apartment, actually, when we first got married. We were in a really cool apartment that was just across the street from a bar and could go meet some mates and, and have a few drinks. And then just, I had the keyless entry, 24-hour gym to myself. So you'd go uh, somehow crawl onto the treadmill after Ugh. I made it happen somehow. Sweated uh, all of the naughtiness out of that me. That sounds like the, 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 the one-way ticket to feeling awful for the next, like, three Actually, hours. Actually, you, you wake up. The best thing, though, if, you, if you've been out too late, say you, you went to a party in, in Tempe, or Scottsdale. The best thing, though, is when you get on the treadmill or you start working out early in the morning after pulling yes. a bender. Yes, that is. I, I cannot deny that. That works. I can't, Allegedly. I can't imagine going directly after drinking a pitcher of beer. So because of that, I'm going to avoid the chili dogs, the nacho cheese dogs, the burgers tonight. Uh, and I, I think I'm just going to see if I can scrounge together some stuff in my fridge. Good on you. Love it. Uh, Appreciate you all checking us out on the stream, Hail Varsity YouTube. Subscribe, tell a buddy, and uh, thanks for the commentary and checking in on the stream. Roll call starting five again tomorrow, and uh, we'll be back at four on Hail Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. You can also find and give the show a follow at H Varsity Radio. Take care, stay warm. Talk tomorrow. A Huda Media Production.